Blog Talk Radio. Once again, it is the Reverend John St. Germain from Knoxville, Tennessee, welcoming you to another week of Crystal Silence League Hour. Oh my goodness, are we glad to be here? Yes, we are. And tonight we're going to talk about um, temperance, possibly one of the, the deeper cards of the deck, I think. We're going to talk about Purple Kyanite, and we're going to pray for some people tonight. Isn't it exciting? I think so. I do hope you have a nice drink in your hand. It's been very hot this summer. We're starting to see fall in the air this night of August 27th. This would have been my dad's birthday. How old would he have been in 2019? He was born in 1920. He would have been 79, I think. And uh, possibly still alive if he hadn't smoked. All of you out there enjoying the smoke, remember that. Both my parents died of smoking-related illnesses. My dad died of emphysema, more or less. There were other causes, but <clears throat> my mom died of lung cancer. I see people smoke, and they, they think statistics don't apply to them. You know, that's a cognitive bias. People think statistics don't apply to them. One out of three people who smoke will die horribly. But most people think they're not one in three. So, actually... All three people who smoke continuously, they'll probably get them somehow. But uh, <clears throat> it's like if you own a gun, your chances are four times greater of being shot and killed, uh, shot and injured. Um, it, if you have a gun in the house, your chances are four times greater of being shot. But most people who own a gun think, I'm not that person. Um, so I'm not saying you shouldn't have a gun you know, with proper training and everything, maybe – you're the person who won't be shot. It has a tendency to escalate violence, though, um, escalate the situation. And it's an interesting thing. All these things I talk about, I'm virtually 60, and I've never smoked. I don't drink. I n- never own a handgun. Um, I've been in very violent situations, and I've never needed one. I think if I had one, I probably would have wound up shot. I would have probably tried to have escalated the situation rather than defuse it. I don't have any tattoos or piercing. It's like I believe that I could get a job in a sideshow in a circus. Behold, the amazing anomaly, the man who's never had piercings, never – you know, I've never uh, – I don't do drugs. Um, I smoked marijuana once when I was – 17 didn't like it I'm, i am indeed an anomaly i'm like if they wrote about me in a book you'd say now that guy's not believable and uh, uh not much fun i guess um, <clears throat> i have fun in different ways you know what's fun for me solving a crossword puzzle or uh, 
playing piano, stuff like that. That's what, woohoo, I'm a crazy man. Um, I don't know what got me off on that. Temperance, probably. Temperance. Temperance has many different meanings, though, as we're going to see. So let's talk about blue kyanite, shall we? Um, kyanite comes in a lot of different colors, um, and all of them are high vibration crystals. Uh, I have a whole spectrum of them. Um, there's orange, green, indigo, black, purple, and blue. Um, Sometimes you'll find kyanite grown in with uh, other minerals as well, red ruby and green fuchsite and uh, quartz and all kinds of stuff. Um, you can build an entire collection of uh, kyanite alone. Great for chakra works. All forms of kyanite, regardless of color, will harmonize with the chakra to which its uh, uh, color is associated with, but all forms of kyanite will harmonize with the third eye chakra. It has It's a high vibration crystal. So it can be used to align the chakras. Um, very beneficial uh, in meditation for that purpose. Um, very good with healing. They can use uh, uh, be used to help pretty much any issue you might have that are, that's chakra related. Um, but they all harmonize with the third eye chakra and uh, there's uh, a lovely teal colored kyanite that's especially useful for uh, uh, mental confusion um, if you're not quite sure what to do with yourself uh, this is a very useful thing to help you on your spiritual path but uh, purple and blue kyanites are the most common the yellow and green are uh, next, I think. I've seen a lot of those. But this um, bl uh, blue and purple, uh, you know, blue, of course, would uh, help you with the throat chakra, uh, help you with better communication and self-expression. Uh, but because it also works with the third eye chakra, this can help you express uh, things like uh, bring out dream uh, dream yoga, the the healing dreams, the secret messages of your dream, and communicate them. Uh, very good with clairvoyance. Um, the uh, blue to purple have a strong third eye energy. Uh, it can open you up to those spiritual truths that you need to have in order to progress spiritually. Self-deception is a very bad uh, impediment to spiritual growth. And... Uh, gives you very clear thoughts uh, when you're analyzing your thoughts to move forward um, during meditation. It can bring you great clarity. Um, it can help you connect with your spirit guide. Any kind I can help you with that. It raises your vibration. You know, to contact spirits, they have to lower their vibration and you have to raise yours. A kind of just a thing for that. So it's a great thing to have in your collection. Um, they, they can polish kyanite and it looks very pretty. But I like to work with stones just as they come from the ground. I, I love to be able to look at their crystalline matrix. Because if you get a piece of kyanite, a piece of sodalite, and a piece of quartz, uh, and you put them all together and they're all polished, you don't have any idea of their crystalline matrix. Uh, they all look alike, right? Malachite, uh, um, um, pyrite, etc. If you polish them all into little... Uh, round pebbles uh, you have no idea what they look like coming out of the ground and uh, to me it's like disguising their identity it's like if you went to another town and you put on a disguise you know you can't recognize it so i prefer to do that uh, you can make an elixir out of kyanite um, put it in some container and put the container in water i don't like making direct elixirs anymore i really don't you don't know what you're drinking when it's in the water um <clears throat> And some things that are blue and green can be toxic because of copper. You don't want to drink copper. Really, you don't want to drink any heavy metal. Um, you, got, you want to be very careful about that. Uh, you know, people have poisoned other people, you know, for insurance money and stuff by feeding them infusions of heavy metals. You know, they've uh, shaved their wedding ring, you know, like gold into their spouse's cereal. 
to kill them and stuff. It's serious. They've done this things like this. Um, <clears throat> so I'm very cautious about advising people to soak stones and rocks and crystals and water and then drinking, you know, the effluvia thereof. But you get the same vibratory reaction through glass. So you can put it in a vial and put the glass vial in the water <clears throat> or put it beneath it. And, and they actually sell an infuser, which is a glass water bottle with a compartment in the bottom of it that goes up inside the bottle. And you can put any kind of crystal you want in that, screw the bottom back on and put the water in it and shake it up and agitate the crystals and uh, their vibration will be uh, infused throughout the matrix of the water. And that to me seems like a really good thing if you're into making elixirs. And then you can decant the water into wherever you want and um, add a few drops of brandy to preserve it so icky mold won't grow. And there's some bizarre algaes that go around here. Uh, so be very careful. If you see mold or algae, be very careful of it. There's some crazy stuff growing now. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, use it in your spell work. You can use it when you make a crystal grid on paper. Uh, trace the grid with your elixir. Put drops of it at the apexes. Uh, Sprinkle it in corners, make war water, peace water from it, um, any number of uses for it. Just use your imagination, read up on it, ask me, whatever. Um, and that's our uh, discussion of kind. I, I really do like it. I like it. The Crystal Silence League, our organization, was founded in uh, around 1917 by Mr. Claude Alexander Conlon for the purpose of projecting and sending positive prayer and affirmation to all those in need of such. And when he passed away into the silence, around 1954, the League went with him and lay dormant, although from what I understand, there were some people who still practice. Uh, I've heard from people who said they still carried the membership card and they still practiced the daily method. And around 2007 or so, 2009, adepts from the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches brought it back online at crystalsilenceleague.org, www.crystalsilenceleague.org. That's a lot to type in, but there we are. And if you go there, you'll notice lots of neat things. You can find a link to the Missionary Independent Spiritual Churches, which was our mother church. We have lots of churches now. You can find a letter from Mr. C. Alexander, Mr. Claude Alexander Cullen, our founder. You can find the, the Crystal Silence League gift shop from which you can buy literature and crystals from us. And photos of some of the crystal balls that we have on our altars. Links to the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, one of our sister organizations. Links to our Facebook page and archives of the newsletter that I edited for a number of a uh, number of years. We don't have the newsletter anymore, but uh, we do have archives. And prayer requests, where you can post prayers. Prayer is always free at the Crystal Silence League. We're not a scam organization. We don't ask you for money. Um, you can always post prayers. This is, a, this is our charitable outbranch of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches. Everyone who works for this um, Crystal Silence League, we do this uh, without pay. This is our charitable contribution. None of our pastors get paid for this. There have been rumors circulated. Uh, there are people who sometimes question us, um, demanding to know our finances. We have no finances. We, <laughs> we, uh, uh, we truly don't. We have no finances. Uh, uh, nobody uh, who uh, none of our past well none of our pastors get paid uh, we pay for our website um, you know we have to do that but uh, we don't none of the pastors get paid for their work here so um, the Crystal Silence League www.crystalsilenceleague.org and we have um, the prayer requests nobody is ever charged for these prayers you, you go there and you post them and we pray for you and our pastors pray for you, and our members pray for you. And every time someone prays for you, they'll click 
on this little button that says pray and send email, and you'll get an email that someone has prayed for you. If you want us to stop praying for you, you, you press the button that says, uh, um, you know, cancel prayer, and we'll take it down for you, or it'll take it down for you. I think the software does. Um, sometimes people email us, and usually I, I get the email that says, um, uh, people are still praying for me from a prayer I put up five years ago. Can you take it down? We get 100 to 200 emails or prayers a week. I have to go back and get those. So if you keep the prayer numbers, that is really handy for me uh, and the date you put it up because I, I have truly spent a couple of hours trying to find prayers to take down. So sometimes you don't know what you ask when you ask me to do that. So if you go there, uh, you can pray with me. I'm not going to call out names. I see your names and I see your beautiful faces here because I'm a pastor and I can get into that secret spot. Um, but if you will bear with me, I'm going to pray out loud and you're invited to pray with me. So I'm going to start with prayer ID 85977, who says, uh, I have a job that needs extra money because I need a home or apartment that allows two cats. And I pray that money funds and the property that is perfect for my kitties and I to rent will become available within two months. This is an urgent request as I live in a very dysfunctional situation that's hostile to my person and well-being. May this happen soon for you. Amen. And prayer ID 85976, who says, pray that my exit package with SG facilitated by PM is 10K or more. Bless all those who pray for me. Amen. Prayer ID 85975. I pray that my dear friend is qualified to be hired. God, please make this happen. Amen. And prayer ID 85974. This is, please pray with me that my mind is now taking in all hypnosis and subliminal help and fixing my life and body with God's help. Amen. And prayer ID 85973, who says, pray T, being smart and safe, and can get the cash to return to me. Amen. What's money paid back? Prayer ID 85972. First of all, I want to thank you all of your prayers. Well, you're welcome. Thank you. And please pray a little bit more for my company, the uh, PGA, to get that job from the bees. I really need that job. In Jesus' name, amen. Prayer ID 85971. Dear God, bring me a lover with ease, someone sure of what he wants in love, who loves me unconditionally and treats me like a queen. He is beautiful to the eye and the heart. His soul recognizes mine. We know we are each other's other half. He appreciates me and gives me his undivided attention. He's loyal and committed. He's everything I've ever wanted, and I'm sure the same to him. We're loving and kind to each other. We understand each other, admire each other. Amen. Be careful what you ask for. You know, people ask for these obsessive love spells and things. Be careful what you ask for. Undivided attention, 24-7. Be careful what you ask for. Prayer ID 85970. I'm praying my landlord changes his mind about the eviction. I cannot fail my boys and afford to be homeless again. Please pray for us and keep us in your prayers. My name is V, and my boys' names are K. And S, please pray for us because at this moment I'm tired of fighting alone and praying alone. Amen. <clears throat> Prayer ID 85967. I'm in the process of relocating once again. This time I am in search of affordable housing. Would like to live where there are less people around. I wonder how the universe can show me my next home. I would like to have the finances needed in order to relocate with ease and grace. Please send angels to assist me and provide me the assistance I need at this time. Thank you and amen. And prayer ID 85966, she prays for peace. And she prays peace will return. We have learned and growth will be unprecedented. 
We will be humble and driven to do the work that matters. Amen. And prayer ID 85965. Please pray for us. I keep asking people to help us, but no one does. I'm so hurt. I never had to know anyone to help them. I just did it. I'm about to lose everything I owned at 7 a.m. Was evicted last week with my daughter. I'm trying to hold on to what I have because my dad died a few months ago, and the only things I have of him and my mom is in and both deceased. Please, someone help me. My cash app has been restored or email me and say you can or want to help us. I only need $600, and I've offered to pay back as soon as possible. Just find a job. Amen. Prayer ID 85957. Please pray that I find a new job right away. My current position is stressful, and the stress from it makes me sick daily. Please pray that I'm offered a better-paying, less stressful position that's close to home today. Please pray the success of my business so that we may have financial stability. But please pray that I find a new job. I fear that I will have to be hospitalized if I do not get away from this job. Please, I beg you, pray for me. Amen. And prayer ID 85956, may God and spirit see fit to guide my KT back to me, better and stronger than we were before. Well, let's have a moment of silence and prayer and affirmation for all those in need of comfort and support. Amen. We, we see a theme in these prayers. We see people losing their homes, people facing homelessness, people losing their jobs, people not making enough money, people working two jobs and they can't make ends meet. I thought that the uh, economy was at an all-time high. I thought unemployment was at an all-time low. Do you think we're being lied to? Do you think that Maybe somebody's lying, and uh, do you think maybe there is a, a recession about to hit and a very bad one? And do you think people, the only people getting rich might be people who already have money? And do you think that people who are like in the you and me may not be doing as well as uh, we were promised? And uh, who do you blame for that? Who do you blame for that? Well, you know, uh, who I blame are the Thirty percent or more of people who sat on their asses during the last election and didn't vote because they said, "Well, I don't. I'm, I'm taking the moral high ground. I don't want to vote for a lesser evil." Well, you know what you got, and I don't want to hear any complaints. You got a president who thinks you can drop a nuclear bomb in a hurricane 
and disrupt it. And you know where he got that idea? From Sharknado. Okay, so I don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear it. Get out and vote in November if you want to change. Or if you don't, you know, it's up to you. It's up to the, the Democratic Republic in which we live. All right, let's talk about temperance. Temperance is a very interesting card, isn't it? Because due to certain um, idiosyncrasies of the English language, when we think of temperance, we think of sobriety. You know, don't we? The temperance movement, the ladies of temperance, the um, uh, prohibition and stuff. But temperance uh, derives from the Latin uh, tempare, which means to mix or to combine properly. And when we look at the Rider Waite deck, Intemperance. Oh my goodness, what do we see? We see uh, an angel or a uh, some kind of supreme being or somebody mixing something in two cups, which means we are looking at uh, a chemist, an alchemist, uh, somebody mixing something, right? So, what do we make of this? to mix, to combine properly. Well, in this society in which we live, and perhaps forever, um, we we tend to have life out of balance, or life compartmentalized. We can say that, life comp- compartmentalized. We go to work, we have a family, we have friends, we have playtime, and in each of these compartments, we may have constructed totally different personas. And these personas may be completely at odds with each other. We may be a totally complete person at work than we are when we get off work, drive home, and stay with our family. I would venture to say even that trip between work and home, we may exist in a macrocosm or microcosm, rather, all of our own. Um, You see someone in the car listening to some music, just rocking out, man, just jamming out, you know, shaking the head, going, and the bass is rocking, boom, 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 boom. They probably don't listen to that at work, and they probably don't listen to that at home. They have created a yet another compartment, that they um, exist in. So all these little fragments of existence uh, are uh, separations. And um, they exist separate. So basically we're fragmented. We're fragmented. And I used to talk about this a lot with uh, my friend Ron Martin. May he rest in peace. And um, we uh, we talked a lot about this fragmentation. It was a favorite topic of uh, someone we both read quite a bit in our youth, uh, Jiddu Krishnamurti, about how people were fragmented and um, the different parts of our personality, often conflicting, uh, drives that conflicted. And I will tell you. Uh, part of this um, Jiddu Krishnamurti um, taught many things that were um, well first of all he was raised by the theosophists to be their golden child he was going to be their leader and at about age 13 he said you don't need leaders like me and he walked away from it now understand he was going to be raised like a god he was going to be treated um, uh, like a messiah with unimaginable luxury, and he walked away from it to be live a basically the life of a wandering mendicant, you know, like the Buddhist monks. And he just walked around and talked to people, and uh, he was so respected that his uh, the people who wanted to listen to him just bought him a place to live, and he lived there, kind of like what the Theosophists were going to do, but you know they were going to make him rich, and he had this little humble place, and people. Um, would come and listen to him and talk, and his talks were uh, compiled in a series of books and recordings, and he spoke with some of the smartest people in the world, David Bohm. There's a great talk with him and David Bohm about the nature of reality, and it, it'll blow your mind if you talk it. I remember young 
reading Krishnamurti, I'd have to put the book down after a couple of pages and just let my mind sort through stuff. But one of the things he discussed was, are we different from the things that we experience? And that was a topic in very advanced Buddhism and Buddhist psychology, Abhidharma. Are you different from, is the observer different from the things he observes? And uh, so uh, this little quote I'm going to give you, uh, this is an excerpt from one of his talks. Uh, he says, am I different from the content of my consciousness? Am I different from the thing I observe in myself? Then there's a division between me and the thing which I inquire into. And he says, we're going to go into a little more. He always said that. Let's go into this. <laughs> he always said that. Let's go into this. Uh, I observe in myself anger. I am angry or I am greedy, envious. Is that envy different from me who is observing that reaction, which I call envy, or that envy is me? I'm not different from that envy. So when I observe, is there a division between the observer and the observed? Then there is conflict. Then I try to suppress it, control it, or run away from it, or try to wish to change it. But if the observer is the observed, then a totally different action takes place. Are we dissipating the mystery of it? Because this is very important right from the beginning. We are conditioned to the conflict of this division. We are conditioned to either suppress it or analyze it or run away from it. We are educated to accept this difference, this division. But when one looks into it very, very deeply, not very deeply, it's very simple. One sees the observer is the observed. Therefore, you eliminate all conflict. And there you have temperance. Mixing the observer with the observed. Let us go into it. So, this Trump displays the signs of combination all through the picture. We have uh, a mixture of all the elements that we've seen before, right? So, if we take the other definition of temperance, which means moderation, right? Um, for most people, this means self-control. Moderation means self-control. But the tarot temperance never addresses extremes. Uh, for a lot of people, the middle path in Buddhism seems to represent picking two extremes and finding some middle point. But as Bhikkhu Namalomi, Namalomi says, that's not the case at all. The middle path means you rise above all extremes. You don't find two extremes of something and, and pick a middle path like between hedonism and asceticism, and find the middle point of that. That's not the middle path, although that's a good place to start. You know, it's, it's not a bad place to start. You say, well, I can be an utter hedonist, you know, lay in drunken debauchery, or I can just uh, get rid of everything. And this is what a lot of people think when you talk about the cessation of desire. You know, you say that uh, suffering arises from desire, so you, uh, <clears throat> which is, a vast oversimplification. It's really dukkha, which is something different, but um, and, and tanha, which is thirst. But it, I have a whole series of talks about that. Go back and look at it. But um, if suffering arises from desire, uh, they say, well, you can't not want stuff. Well, yes, you can actually, but um, the idea is that you moderate it. You don't chase your desires like a dog chasing a stick. And so, so well, I, I just can't live like a monk somewhere. Well, some people do. I can't do without everything. Well, you see that extreme reaction. It's an extreme reaction. And, um, you, you know, you see this quite a bit in conflict. We even do it with ourselves. Uh, the doctor says, oh, gosh, you have to do without, uh, you know, you got to lose some weight, man. You got to quit eating, you know, crap all the time. Well, oh, my God, you mean I got to quit eating bacon and eggs? steak and ice cream and i got all i got to do is I, I, i'm going to eat salads and uh yogurt the rest of my life see there's these extremes that we jump to but moderation and for most people that means self-control moderation you don't overindulge right but that's not what this card does not ever go into extremes uh, because extremes are never necessary not an artificial inhibition you don't grab a hold of yourself and force yourself into something because that's an extreme, right? 
not a moral code because that's an extreme as well, but just the opposite of all of this. This is a true and proper response to all situations as they arise in the moment. You don't stop and consult a book of rules. So we have tempare, the Latin word tempare, which means to mix or to combine properly. So the person who has let go of these conditions that Krishnamurti talks about, these conditionings, these inner conflicts, who questions, suppresses, uh, fights with the inner self, is already characterized not only by moderation, but who has already learned or naturally combines all these different aspects of their life, right? So many people can only deal with life by compartmentalizing their life. That's the only way they can deal with it. They cannot take the work home with them. They cannot take the home at work with them. So we have one personality for business, the other personality for home, and um, both of these personalities are false. These are personas. You ever hear that? Uh, you know, the wear the mask long enough and it sticks. You know that? Oh boy, that's a scary saying to me. And you know, people say, "Well, if I said what I really meant at work, I'd be fired." You know, if I told my husband or told my wife what I really thought, they'd leave me. So when are, when are you ever your true self? And you know, my the bedrock of my business, I think, as a spiritual consultant, is talking to people who don't know. Uh, they don't have that inner voice, that ability to act spontaneously in the moment in the correct manner. And uh, because they have all these different personas, uh, <laughs> you know, who do I listen to? <laughs> you know, which of these different personas is me? And the, the answer is none of them, none of them. And there are people who live to be 55, 60 who have never, ever followed the inner voice and I was probably 35 before I heard mine early 30s before I began to listen to mine and it's a it's an aha moment it, it's like well you know to hell with everybody else and when I truly tell you and I've told people this I truly don't care what other people think about me and what I do and I've had people say well you must be a sociopath because sociopaths don't that's true. Sociopaths do not um, do not uh, care about what other people think about them. However, sociopaths also lack empathy, and they lack uh, the ability to connect to other people. I do have empathy. I can connect with other people, but my self-esteem does not arise from the opinions of other people. And there is a uh, – in the Dhammapada, it says – and this is great. I just love this, and I, I try to give this to people, and some people argue about it. It says, just as a rock remains unmoved by praise or blame, so does the wise person. Rem no, no. Just <laughs> I, I got, I'm going in too many different directions. Uh, just as the rock remained unmoved by the wind and the sea, so does the wise man remain unmoved by praise or blame. And um, – uh, I can tell you that's me. That is me. And it took me a while to get there, but uh, my head is not turned by flattery. And if somebody calls me seven types of whirling son of a bitch, I don't care. And there, there's a handful of people whose uh, opinions and advice I value. And if they tell me I'm doing the wrong thing, you see, the psychopath would shrug it off. A psychopath has the uh, idea that they're God and they can't do any wrong. I I can do wrong. I can make mistakes, and there's a handful of people I listen to. If they say, John, you're going down the wrong path here, I will seriously consider it, and I'll reflect on that. These are people whose advice I worry about, but I don't care about driving a fancy car because people say, oh, that guy must be a success. I measure success in a very different way, and I believe that this is what we're talking about with moderation. Um, so the person who's released this clinging to this inner self, this idea of inner self, is characterized by moderation, but also a unification of these fragments. What you see is what you get. 
This is the person who's the same no matter what. They create um, a unification, uh, a merging of all these different personas or a, or a discarding of the false personas. Um, and uh, uh, the fragmented person separates life into things that are real, things that are not real, things that are serious, uh, things that are fun. And uh, they're careful not to smile if things are serious, right? They're careful not to laugh at something that's serious. And uh, there, there are time, there's a time and a place for serious and time and a place for fun. Um, and uh, interestingly enough, there are people who separate love from sex. There are people that you love and there are people you have sex with. And this, this boggles my mind. I, you know, I love you, but I'm not in love with you. This is a statement that is just so utterly absurd to me. And uh, I've, I've told women this. I say when a guy says he loves you, but he's not in love with you, that means um, that means um, I want to have sex with you, but I don't want to have a relationship with you. That's that's guy talk. That's exactly what that means. So temperance is a card that combines all the elements of life, just like it combines all the elements of uh, of the tarot, right? Um, this person in the outer world has lost the boundaries. This is a person who has merged with the outer world. There's no difference between the observer and the observed. So when we look at the Waite Smith uh, um, uh, pixie image, um, we see all the water being poured from one cup to another. This is all the elements of life being mixed together. It's it's a solution. Uh, it's an amalgam. The lower cup's not directly below the upper, which is very interesting. If you look at the tarot of Marseille, of Versailles, no, Marseille, you see um, a figure that's not an angel, but looks more like a, uh, a king or a queen. It's ambiguous, possibly a queen, pouring from one vessel into another one at the feet. It's it's a linear uh, pour, you know, gravity, but you know, here we're seeing something that's not quite possible. It's water being poured at an angle. And um it's not possible, right? So it's magical. So to other people, what the person who has accomplished this uh, unification has done, um this person who can handle all of life's problems in stride it seems like they're doing it by magic. They're doing something impossible. It's like, well, how can you be cool in this situation? How how do you handle all of life's problems so simply? How do you handle this without freaking out? How do you maintain your chill throughout this? Uh, it just seems impossible to them, right? Um, so the writer, uh, writer Coleman Smith Temperance, tells us both of these cups are magical. You can't do that with just one magical cup, right? So if you look at um, uh, many of the other decks, you'll uh, see uh, signs that one is the moon, one is the sun, uh, which means it's the unification of consciousness with conscious um, and um, a unification of the inner and outer selves. Oh, but this one, man, you know, we're very clear with this one, the symbology in this one, because you've got the road, which signifies a return. This is a return to your true self. You've gone down into the self. You've explored the inner self through meditation or through magical initiation, and now you're coming back to the outer world through uh, initiation, education, enlightenment. Um, now, the two pillars that we see in earlier cards, they're mountains now. So these abstract ideas, Solomon's Temple, the uh, black and white pillars, they're not abstract anymore. These abstract ideas are becoming reality so, because temperance is a card not of concepts but a practical application of concepts. This is your behavior in the world. This is how do you take these concepts and uh, apply them in the world. So we look at the angel uh, itself. And it has one foot on land and one in water. And this is where we get our imagery of uh, conscious and unconscious in the Rider Way Coleman deck. Um, 
the land symbolizes the real world, right? The solid world of uh, people, events, uh, transactions, and the water is the flowing uh, stream of consciousness of the uh, unconscious mind, the inner self. And so the temperate personality, the, the person who has eliminated the difference between observer and observer, links these two realms, the inner and outer world. There's no difference. This is a person who is utterly in the moment, utterly now. This also, water is um, a symbol in magic of, uh, of uh, the potentiality, the life force, the potentiality of life force, what you, you, you control it, uh, uh, the manifestation. So the, um, this temperate person, through his or her actions, has unlimited potential of manifestation. So we see lots of different uh, – I've, I've seen lots of different variations on this. Sometimes they're pouring water on a lion, um, which is also an angel, um, or it's the lion from the strength card, um, the um, uh, conquering the animal self, the lower desires. Um, so there's uh, you, you channel the uh, lower desires into a higher manifestation. You're uh, unifying the lower self into the higher self. So the angel in this particular card, um, because of the rainbow overhead, um, according to many authors, and uh, I think even by uh, Arthur Edward Wade himself, is uh, reminiscent of the uh, goddess Iris, whose sign was the rainbow. And you see the rainbow on the angel in many of the other decks that appeared around this time. And uh, the rainbow appears as a sign of uh, tranquility after a thunderstorm. So if you take these cards in linear order as a, as a progression, as many people do, I don't necessarily do that. I don't see it as a journey. Uh, many people do. They think they're arranged in a um, – logical order to tell a story. I have found problems with that. The idea of the hero's journey uh, represented by the tarot and uh, you know Carl Jung's interpretation and things. I found problems with it um, in, in real life. You know, the, uh, the applying temperance, the temperance idea to it. I found problems with that. You're, you're forcing life to uh, match a preconceived idea of what the tarot is trying to tell you, and uh, that's the opposite of the way it should be. I think the uh, uh, the temperate approach would be to uh, oh to uh, overlap life to what you know. Life tells you what the cards are, not the cards tell you what life is. You know, try to match a pattern in the cards to life, rather the pattern of life should. Um, dictate what the cards are trying to tell you. That's just the way it seems to me. So, um, so here we have on Temperance the um, the promise of tranquility after the storm uh, of death. The card that went before death is this moment, this moment of pow, of this wake up change. You know, it's like wow, I just I'm not the same as I was, and then. That change can be that unification, that 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 wake up moment, that aha, and that could be the unification. It sure could. And uh, you know, as the sun rises over the mountains back there, uh, it's a it's a it's a new day, a new you. The um, um, so a rainbow is a very Strange thing, too. Many legends about the pot of gold within the rainbow, the promise that God won't kill us again by water. Um, it says in Revelation it'll be by fire, so it's like, gee, thanks. <laughs> You're not going to kill us. Oh, 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 it's going to be by fire next time. Okay, gee, thanks. And by four-headed beasts and uh, angels with swords and all kinds of stuff. Um, so, um, but, you know, the um, the flood, the deluge is a universal uh, story you see it in Gilgamesh you see it in Hindu and uh, Jewish legends and uh, Native Americans have a deluge a flood myth and um, if you think about it not as a historical event although there did seem to be some kind of uh, flood in the uh, uh, Middle East 
the Middle Eastern area, um, and also in North America, there was some water of a flood too, evidence of it. So you know, you think what what's up with that? But um, what does it represent mythically? You know, uh, well, it's a it's a a cleansing. It's a wiping away of the old, so that you know, clearing the ground for the new, right? Which uh, you know, like uh, uh, the destruction of the universe that occurs in lots of mythologies, like Ragnarok in North mythology and Shiva destri- destroying the universe, uh, um, wiping away the slate. You know, which really what God did with the Dalish, right? He drowned everybody. So I'm tired of these barbarians uh, fornicating and eating pork and uh, blaspheming and watching Jerry Springer. I'm, Wiping them off the earth. And then Noah, you and your family, you know, and a few animals leave the unicorns behind and, you know, leave the uh, uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex behind. We don't need any of them, but the rest of them, put them on. That'd be cool. The Archaeopteryx, we don't need that. Uh, but the rest of them, put them on the ship. You guys, you're, you're cool with me. You're cool with me. You, you can survive and repopulate, but the rest of these barbarians, I'm tired of them. And uh, wipe them off. So there's a wiping away of the old and a, uh, a rebirth of the new. We see a cleansing, right? And uh, if we uh, dig into the myth of uh, the angel, uh, you know, uh, Iris, which may be stretching this a little bit, you know, we don't know that this is Iris, um, but um, Iris would go into the underworld and dip her cup into the river Styx. And you know, when people drank from the river Styx, um, they forgot their previous life. They went, the souls went to the river world and drank from sticks. If a living person went to the underworld, they were, don't drink the water from the river sticks. You'll forget all about the life above ground. So, um, so the angel represents the immortal soul as well. Liberated by death. If, if you, if you really believe that the afterlife is better than this life, we wouldn't fear death as much. Um, now, if you look very closely, you have to look very closely. There's a lot of secret things written in these cards. There's a little snail at the bottom of some of these cards. There's little items. But if you look very closely under the collar of this angel, you will find the name of God embroidered on its cloak right above the triangle you know, the symbol of water on the chest pointing upward. And this is the, uh, the name of God. It looks like it's folds of the cloak, right? But you got to look very closely and you'll see that's the name of God. So, and, uh, the triangle within the square, uh, is a sign for spirit triangles, water triangle within square, I think is spirit. Um, and it, um, the spirit rises from the material body. And uh, we saw the name of God before, didn't we, in the Wheel of Fortune, which means that even in fate, even in uh, something like um, the random chance, there's still God's will at play hidden in there. So one of the things about this card when it turns up, it can mean that something in your life's out of balance. That there needs to be a unification. There's something heterodyning out of control, and there has to be some kind of right action. And a lot of times, when it comes up in a reading, I said I wasn't going to talk about divinatory meanings, but it means somebody's overanalyzing a situation and they're overreacting to it. And I say, you know, the uh, proper action sometimes is to do nothing. And I think that temperance comes up when it's a time to stay in the moment. Don't think about the past. Don't fret about the future. It's time to stay in the moment. And the middle path is all about the moment. That's one of the things about it. Yeah, past, present, and future in the middle path is in the moment. Let's do station identification. To 
LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Condram and Ollie, Sundays 3 to 4.30, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6, Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays 4 to 5, and The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays 6 to 7. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Well, we're back, and I have a few more minutes here to ramble on about some stuff. Um, we could talk a little bit about the middle way, the middle path, and... Um, When when the Buddha taught the middle path, he had uh, he had tried a lot of things. You know, the Buddha was born in incredible wealth, and the astrologists of his time predicted that he was going to be the guy that discovered um, a new way of living, or rediscovered, because there were twelve Buddhas before him. And uh, did you know that there were twelve Buddhas before him? Each Buddha predicted the birth of the next Buddha. The one before uh, Buddha was um, Kasapa Buddha. And Kasapa Buddha predicted Shakyamuni Buddha, uh, Gautama Buddha, and uh, um, and they uh, the astrologers said this is him, this is the new Buddha. And uh, of course, the Buddhas gave up all material pleasures and became homeless mendicants who lived on alms. And his father, said, oh no, no! So he surrounded him with uh, unimaginable pleasures, uh, wealth, women, food, and kept him away from. The world. He didn't want him to see anything in the world. So um, one day the Buddha went out and he saw an old person. He goes, what's that? And one of his guards said, oh, that's an old person. He goes, what is that? He goes, well, people get old. He goes, well, that's terrible. Then he saw a, like a leper or something. What's that? He goes, oh, that, that person's very sick. Goes, what is that? Well, people get sick sometimes. And they go, well, that's miserable. That's terrible. And then he saw he saw a funeral. He goes, well, what in the world is that? And he said, uh, he said oh, oh, that's some, he's dead. He goes, what is that? He goes, well, people die. You know, they, they die from disease and old age and accident. And they took him to the – he said, well, take me where they're going. Oh, no, no. Yeah, I want to see it. So he followed him to the carnal grounds. And uh, in India back then, as they do now, uh, they don't bury the dead. They leave them above ground, and they rot, and the animals eat them. And Buddha said, well, what, what is all this? He goes, well, that's what happens when you die. And uh, so he said old age, sickness, death, and uh, – um, he wanted to understand this, so he, he he did leave. He left his wife and his son, and uh, people go, oh, my God, he abandoned his wife and kid. Well, he abandoned them to uh, this luxury, right? It's not like they were homeless. They, they uh, She was a queen, and the uh, son was a prince, so he uh, – um, people, people, when you tell that, so they go, oh, my God, he just abandoned them? Well, you know, they were like billionaires, so um, – you know they're like the Kardashians of their time. So he uh, went to uh, three different teachers and learned meditation techniques. They all taught enlightenment, but he he realized that none of this frees you from this cycle of uh, birth and old age and sickness and death. And um, it's very interesting stories because one of these teachers taught extreme asceticism, which meant you didn't eat very much. And Buddha lived on a handful of bean soup a day. And uh, it's rather funny how he tells it. Uh, he said, he, uh, he said, monks, I grew so thin that I could reach through my, the front of my stomach and grab my backbone. And I walked into the village and people were afraid of me because they thought I was a tree diva. A tree diva is a spirit that lives in a tree. And, uh, uh, children, he said, children would run from me because they thought I was a tree spirit. And, uh, and then there was another approach where you held your breath for extended periods of time. Um, he practiced all these techniques, and he got better than his teachers. And uh, he said, no, none of these – this is a, an ignoble way to live, uh, living in this extreme poverty, uh, starving yourself, uh, beating yourself, uh, living in pain, uh, misery. He said, this is not a good way to live, and it does not free you from the cycle of – rebirth and suffering and uh, because it was it was seen through direct perception 
through meditative absorption that when you died, you came back in one form or another. Um, so he remembered when he was a kid, when his father's people worked in the field, he would go into a, uh, a dreamlike state by concentrating on his breath. And uh, he did this again for a long time and discovered enlightenment. Uh, call it called Bodhi. And uh, during this state, he developed, he understood this thing called dependent origination, how the entire, um, uh, it's called a Patika Samupada, dependent origination. And that represents the entire middle way, which rejects a doctrine. It reject now I want you to listen to it. It rejects the doctrine he who acts is he who reaps. And one acts while another reaps. In other words, you reap what you sow. It rejects that. Because when people say, Oh, karma, uh, what goes around comes around, not in Buddhism. That's not what it means. And uh in the Pali Canon, which is the Theravadan Buddhist uh Bible, it's about seven feet long. It's not called the middle way. The translation actually means teaching by the middle. So, Pachika um, Sumata, dependent origination, gives this rationale for rebirth. And uh, that's a very long story. There is no soul that is reborn. It's a continuation of a process, but not a soul. But his teaching uh, of the middle way originally says um, and I have it right here I've been looking for it I do have it right here monks these two extremes ought not to be practiced by one who has gone forth from the household life there is addiction to indulgence of sense pleasures which is a low course the way of ordinary people unworthy and unprofitable and there is addiction to self mortification which is painful unworthy and unprofitable Avoiding these extremes, the Tathagata, which is uh, the perfect one, the Buddha, has realized the middle path. It gives vision, gives knowledge, and leads the calm to insight, to enlightenment, and to nirvana. And what is that middle path realized by the Tathagata? It is the noble eightfold path and nothing else, namely right understanding, right thought, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. So there you go, by God, that's the training path. And uh, so according to this account, uh, when the Buddha delivered uh, this particular talk, which is uh, one of the fundamental suttas uh, in Buddhism, he was addressing five ascetics um, with whom he previously practiced with one of his other teachers. And uh, these five ascetics were some of those he, who practiced these really severe uh, uh, ascetics, you know, starvation, self-mortification and everything. So these were his first five uh, followers. So this is why he uh, was pointing this out. He said, you know, you all came from a background like me where we indulge in all these pleasures. And then you went to this other extreme where you were uh, denying yourself everything, but neither one of these is right. So that, the context of that was neither one of these ways is correct. I'm going to give you this path to follow. Right understanding, right thought, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. If we follow this, you can go where I've gone. And where I've gone is really, really good. So um, so this dependent origination um, is a way of seeing an individual as – Arising from a, a, a chain of events uh, that in this life seems to begin at birth and end at death. That's the what's called uh, ordinary reality, but there's an ultimate reality um, beyond that um, that never ends until such time as you reach Bodhi and then the process ends. 
and the idea is that you break one of these links, you've broken the entire process. Now, Mahayana Buddhism has a different idea of the middle path. Um, the middle way, teaching from the middle, means that you have gained insight into sunyata, which is the uh, transparency or the emptiness, uh, which is somewhere between the extremes of reality and non-reality, uh, existence and non-existence. So these two aspects of the Buddhist teaching um, – uh, that there is a a not self. Anatta doesn't mean that there is no self. That's a that's an incorrect teaching. But not self. These things that we think of as self are not self. But non-existence is uh, not right either. There is the middle way, and the middle way is the eightfold path. This is what we mean by no extremes. There. We're not saying that there's not a self. We're not saying that there is a self. We're saying there's the Eightfold Path. Everything exists is one extreme. Everything doesn't exist, that's a second extreme. So avoiding these two extremes, the Buddha teaches the Dharma that's in the middle, via the middle path. And if there's a confusion there, it's not the Buddha's fault. It's my fault for not being... Um, uh, clear about it and I apologize for that so as we wind this down a little bit I think we're running a little bit over time actually because I set it for 90 minutes instead of <laughs> instead of uh, uh, an hour I'm going to have to correct that right now so um, I want to say goodbye to everyone and hope that makes clear uh, as I said temperance is one of the more interesting and esoteric cards in the deck not about sobriety. Not at all. Not about sobriety. It's about the proper mixture, the proper arrangement, the proper order, the proper way of seeing things. So we'll see you next week. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.